0: You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist, been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps, i delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. We love to feel important. And if we don't feel important ourselves, we adopt strategies to make ourselves feel important. Now, the interesting thing is that if we're using our minds normally, we feel entirely unimportant. There are a variety of ways in which we may articulate that. Some people will say they're stupid. We've talked about that before. Some people will say that nobody wants to hang out with me, or I'm not a people person, or I'm uncomfortable around people. Or, of course, the one that I hear most often, I worry about what people think of me. Other people will put labels on it. I have imposter syndrome. I got an email from somebody a couple of hours ago saying that they suffer from imposter syndrome. Did I have any advice? my advice started with the sentence, no, you don't suffer from imposter syndrome. You just think you suffer from imposter syndrome. But, But then I reflected upon it a little bit more because obviously if one does think they suffer from something, they end up suffering from it. It was Shakespeare who said, There's nothing good nor bad, but thinking makes it so, or words to that effect. Not sure if I'm spot on with my Shakespeare these days. In other words, it's all the product of thought, but we know from previous conversations that if I think I'm stressed, I am. If I think I'm anxious, I am. If I think I'm unimportant, I am. But if I think I'm suffering from something like imposter syndrome. What I've actually done is I've gone a step further and first of all, labeled myself, but I've also labeled myself in a way that makes me more interesting because I can now talk to somebody else who might think they suffer from imposter syndrome as well. The world is full of people adopting labels for themselves that make themselves feel more important or actually are designed to grab other people's attention. I'll go out on a limb here. I'll probably get shot for it. It's kind of fashionable among celebrities these days to be bipolar. (laughs) I said that out loud. And an awful lot of people who claim to be bipolar aren't bipolar at all. I am a psychologist. I know what bipolar is. I know the clinical diagnosis and symptoms of bipolar. Uh, But an awful lot of people will say, ooh, that sounds fashionable. I think I'll be bipolar too. I could go further. I will get my head taken off for this one. If I were to say, for example, oh, I'm non-binary. Now, there's a good one. You know, <laughs> 20 years ago, 10 years ago, two years ago, if somebody said to you, I'm non-binary, you would have looked at them and said to yourself, you talking about electricity or talking about uh, mathematics or talking about computer science what are you talking about but now it's fashionable to come up with labels that you can then adopt and talk to other people about it or indeed if you're completely irrelevant which an awful lot of celebrities actually are you can keep your relevance score high by every so often coming out and saying that I'm this, that, or the other. It gives you something to talk about. It'll give the rags, social media and all that kind of nonsense, something to talk about for five minutes. And then they'll move on to somebody else who has announced some other inanity. But there's something underneath all this. And it does come back to the point that I made a few minutes ago. We crave as human beings to be noticed we like to be liked we worry about what other people think of us i could go on and on and on but it all boils down to the fact that deep down i kind of worry about what i think about myself and i think about the madness of that statement because worry is a thought so i'm thinking bad thoughts obviously about the bad thoughts that i think about myself that have nothing to do with who i am where i am what i am or what i could be doing with my unlimited talent and potential now there are other ways of garnering attention from people as well people make up stories they make up stories about themselves to sound more important Uh, we have numerous examples of People making up their CVs and polishing their CVs, or actually, in one case, uh, an American congressman making up a CV literally out of thin air. Why do we need to make up stories about ourselves? Well, actually, I know the answer to that, because if we're using our mind normally, we need to embellish what we think is our inadequacy. We need to feel more worthy, which is, is another take on imposter syndrome. Let's go off in that direction for a minute. Worthiness or unworthiness. I had a very interesting conversation over the course of probably three months, about a year, two years ago, perhaps, with an online program owner. I was doing some one-to-one work with him, and we talked, obviously, about the kind of life that he would love to live because that's what I'm all about, enabling people to live and experience the kind of lives and experiences that they would love to experience. The joy, the happiness, the success, and all that effortlessly goes with it. So I was having this conversation with this chap, and I asked him, as I ask everybody at some point along the way, in an ideal world, what would your life be like? Now, most people chuckle at me when I ask, that question. Actually, some people go beyond that and think I'm a, a, a fool for asking such a ridiculous, unrealistic question because <laughs> ideal world, I mean, the unreality of all that, that is so unrealistic. And yet, the word unrealistic itself is a symptom of the way in which the normal mind operates. It's a cop out it's an excuse. It is, I couldn't do that because it's unrealistic. Uh, and unrealistic for one person is realistic, by the way, for somebody else. In the same way, one man's stress or one woman's stress is someone else's motivation. It's all to do with what we're thinking and how we're thinking. But back, to my, back to my friend. After he got over the unrealistic hurdle, and he reflected on my question for a while, he came back to me and he said, I know the kind of life I want to live. Now, it was completely different from the life that he was experiencing at the time. Utterly different. Now, it didn't require something brave and courageous like moving from Ireland to France with three young children. I say that with my tongue firmly stuck in my cheek. Because we've talked about that a number of times over the last number of weeks, bravery and courage and all the nonsense that actually normal crazy people put bravery and courage in the same box as unrealistic. My God, you're brave and courageous to try something so unrealistic. Anyway, sorry, I've gone off on a tangent there. Let me come back to my point. My friend got over the unrealistic bit. And he came up with this. i call a perfect moment now we've talked about that before as well because we need psychological snapshots and obviously they only happen in a moment and here we're talking about a psychological snapshot that i would love to take rather than as we have discussed before the psychological snapshots that are thrust upon us by things that are done to us by normal crazy parents peers relatives and friends and acquaintances when we are young and impressionable. Obviously, that's why I call it a perfect moment. It's a moment in time. And that's important for a whole variety of reasons because we only live our lives in moments in time. And they're called nows. To set your mind to achieve your ideal life, you need to give yourself a psychological snapshot of a perfect moment. So he said, I've come up with my perfect moment. And he talked to me about what kind of life he would like to have. And he said to me, obviously, that's completely different from what I have now. He said, but I've got over the notion that to experience something like that would be completely unrealistic. He said, but I've hit another wall. I have another hurdle. He said, do you think I deserve that kind of life? Do you think I'm worthy of that kind of life? Undeservedness and unworthiness are built into us, Mm. drummed into us when we are young and impressionable. If I take the holy... Irish Catholic version of it from when I was growing up in Ireland in the 1960s. I'm a born sinner in need of redemption. I need to cleanse myself and I better not have a good time in this life, better have no perfect moments in this life, because if I do, I'm knackered in the next life. Now, if you don't know what the word knackered is, it means basically (laughs) I'm done for in the next life. I don't know whether that's an international expression or not. It's certainly an Irish expression i suspect it's an expression in the uk as well if i had a good time in this life i'm in serious trouble in the next life and therefore it's been drummed into us since even before we started talking because we understand words six to twelve months before we actually can articulate them it was drummed into us very early on that we are hopeless sinners in need of redemption unworthy of anything great in this life because it compromises our ability to enjoy ourselves in a life that is promised to us but of which nobody is sure and nobody has ever come back from that life and said oh by the way it's great up here so it's all a bit of blind faith we won't go into that right now and you know well maybe i will for just a second because people often say to me what do you think of the afterlife Uh, and there are a variety of ways in which i answer that the first one is what does it matter what i think about it number one number two if i did think something about it sure it would only be thinking so what's the point in going off in that direction and number three and most importantly If we live our lives in moments if we can only be our very best selves live up to our potential in the here and now what in god's name or indeed anyone else's name is the point of wondering about the afterlife what's the point in wondering about next week what's the point in worrying because wondering always leads to worrying anyway i digress ever so slightly i want to come back to the point i was making in relation to people trying to feel that they are more important than they feel they are now uh, i've used the word feel twice in that sentence i could have put it a slightly different way people trying to think themselves more important because they think they are unimportant I was meditating with a group of online programme owners, an advanced meditation group, last week. And as we came to the end of the meditation, I made the point that when we realise what we are and who we are, when we realise that we are energy and that we are energy floating in a universal sea of energy, on the one hand, we realise our apparent insignificance now. In other words, I am unimportant. On the other hand, we realize the grandeur of who we are because this vast sea that is the vibrating energy of the universe would not exist without my little speck of vibrating energy floating and flowing in that ocean. We are grand. We are grand. We have all this potential within. We can achieve anything in which we believe. We've talked about how to do that before, I'm not going to labour the point. We can achieve grand things. And you know what? Because we are an integral part of the universe, because the universe wouldn't exist without us, we deserve to achieve grand things. We are worthy. It's only people using their thinking mind in their inimitable, ordinary, normal, crazy way that say to themselves, I suffer from imposter syndrome or I feel inadequate or I feel inadequate around others. And the others, by the way, don't give a damn about you. I said a few minutes ago that so many people waste so much time thinking about what other people think of them. There's no point. Other people aren't thinking of you at all. They don't care. They're thinking about what you think of them. Everybody is shadow boxing in a world that doesn't exist. The real world exists in the breath that I now take, in the breath that I now appreciate, in the wonder of the moment, in the only place and time that I can be. But you might reflect on this. People do make up stories about themselves, or stories in general. I had a really weird conversation with somebody a couple of years ago who was telling me that her brother, and I'll give it to you exactly as I got it. This girl said to me, oh, I got a call from my brother. I speak to him kind of regularly. And he said to me, oh, I met a friend of ours. We we'll call her Mary to to protect the the." the 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 guilty. Uh, We'll call her Mary. I met Mary a couple of days ago and you know what Mary is like. She sat down with me in the restaurant. She told me she was on a diet and she ate all of my French fries. Every single one of them. And I said to her, Mary, what are you doing? You're supposed to be on a diet. I can't resist them. I can't resist your French fries. I can't resist you, really. Or words to that effect. My friend was talking to that Mary. A couple of days later and she said i believe you ate all my brother's french fries and she said what are you talking about i'm on a diet i've actually been put on a diet by my doctor as a result of my high blood pressure and as a result of my high blood sugar levels i wouldn't touch a french fry at the moment she said what are you talking about she said oh my brother told me that you ate everything she said oh i'm going to have words with him making up stories Anyway, a couple of weeks later, my friend was back talking to her brother. And she said, I was talking to Mary. And Mary told me that that whole story about the French fries was made up. He said, oh, you didn't tell Mary that, did you? She said, why? Oh, I just made that up. And my friend said, why did you make it up? It makes me sound more interesting to have stories like that to tell. Now, that's creepy. I know it's a minor, minor example, but that's creepy. That'd make the skin on the back of your neck crawl. Creepy stuff. People make up something as inane and stupid as that to make themselves sound more interesting. We've already talked about how people will make up whole CVs to make themselves sound more worthy, more interesting, more important, and more... Aligned with whatever job they're looking for or they think they need. But everybody makes up stories. And the problem with making up a story is, first of all, a story is a lie. And when you lie, you will always get found out because you can't remember which lies you told. The really interesting thing, though, from a psychological perspective is that most people believe the stories that they make up about themselves over time it becomes an accepted part of who they are oh yes i qualified at this or i you know was married and had a dreadful divorce and i don't want to talk about this is another example this is another creepy one someone else was telling me that she was talking to her best girlfriend and her best girlfriend was out with this guy and uh, she'd met him on Tinder, as one does these days. I wonder, was she bipolar or non-binary on her Tinder profile? Anyway, sorry. She met him on Tinder. They went out for an evening. And he she she told my friend, he asked me, was I, I, I previously married? She said, because I'm in my 50s. And it would sound a bit weird if I'd never been married, which is a thought in itself. There's an interesting one. And she said, oh, yes, I i I was married a number of years ago, and I had a dreadful breakup, a dreadful divorce, and I never talk about it to anybody. This girl wasn't married ever in her life. She wasn't engaged ever in her life, but she actually believes that story because she repeats it again and again and again. First of all, it's a shield. It's a defense mechanism, or at least she thinks, It's a defense mechanism or even worse than that she thinks it's a defense mechanism that she thinks she needs but secondly it is a story that she has created about herself in this case to protect herself but the world is full of people making up stories about themselves to make themselves quote unquote sound more interesting or sound more important first of all whether you are interesting Or important to the vast majority of people does not matter because they don't care I know it's an awful thing to say they don't care about you we talked a couple of weeks ago about how an awful lot of people with whom I've worked over the years were concerned about what their friends would think of them when they began to become more mindful and more present and more successful we talked about that a couple of weeks ago And then they realized that their friends weren't their friends at all they were hanging around with them because perhaps they needed some comfort from thinking that other people thought they were important most people don't care about you it's an awful thing to say but it is a fact and it is a fact that i can stand over by virtue of the fact that most people are using their minds normally and people using their minds normally don't care about themselves. If you don't care about yourself, how can you care about anybody else? And that is why, by the way, I often tell people, or always tell people, that you are the most important person in your life. People often say to me, oh, I will change, or I will become more mindful, or I will become more focused for my children. Rubbish! If you don't do it for yourself, You're never going to do it for your children, because if you don't love yourself, you're never going to love your children because you don't know what love is. You need to put on your own oxygen mask first before you help anyone else with theirs. And that means that you need to realize, first of all, that you are so important. You're an integral part of the universe. The universe wouldn't exist without you. You are so important. So you don't need to make yourself sound more important to people who don't care. The people who do care already know how important you are because they're with you, aren't they? This is so obvious when I actually say it out loud. You don't need to waste your time being or trying to be anything that you're not because you're perfect as you are you were created perfectly and it was all downhill from there you picked up all the bad stuff about who you thought you were because survival was our primary objective when we were developing the brain that we have over the course of 1.8 million years so we picked up bad stuff about ourselves to keep us on our toes to always be on the back foot so that we could spring forward in the event of a life-threatening situation we've had unworthiness and undeservedness drummed into us as i said earlier on and therefore if we're using our minds normally and by the way it takes time to get over a lifetime of thinking you're unworthy or a lifetime of thinking that you're unimportant or a lifetime of worrying about what other people think of you. It takes time. It's a journey. It is, to quote my online program owners, it's a process and we all need to follow the process. And again, to quote my online program owners, we need to trust the process. We take one step at a time. We live one moment at a time. We live one day at a time, but that's made up of moments. I mean, As somebody said to me recently, I'm appreciating the breath that I'm breathing at the moment because I don't know if I'll have the next one. Now, that may actually be a slightly morbid way of looking at it. But the fact of the matter is that there's very little point in me, for example, as a lot of people in this part of the world will be doing at this moment in time, worrying, will the weather be good enough this evening to have a barbecue? First of all, you can't control the weather. So there's no point in worrying about it at all. And secondly, this evening is way off in the future. I need to be present in the here and now because because when I experience what it's like to be present in the here and now, I begin to understand the significance of the here and now and I begin to feel, actually physically feel, the significance of me. I recollect having a conversation with somebody. Oh, it must be 25 years ago at this stage. He was on a three-day workshop with me. I got home. He telephoned me. I was on the phone with him for three and a half hours. And afterwards, Lisa said to me, who was that? And I said, it was one of the guys who was on the workshop over the course of the last three days. And she said, but three and a half hours. He had three days with you. What did he want for three, another three and a half hours? And I said, well, he got home. He meditated this morning, the first day meditating on his own. And he realized the enormity of what was at stake. He said, I've just realized the size of the prize. I've just begun to actually feel my own significance, my own importance. And it's changed everything. So I don't need it. This was a guy, by the way, who had made up plenty of stories about himself in the past. Checkered career, you might say, up to the time I met him. He said, I don't need to do any of that anymore. I can be me. I am now free to be me. And being me is wonderful. Because now that I'm completely at peace with me, now that I love me, I'm free to go out and love anybody and everybody. And sure, if they don't want to be loved, so what? There's nothing I can do about it. But the people who are closest to me are so important that I need to be there for them. And that, I suppose, is an extra reason for being present. And by that I mean an extra really important reason for being present. The first most important reason for being present is that I experience me. And when I experience me, I realize I can achieve anything. And that changes my life, absolutely. And whilst I can't change the world, the big bad world out there, people by normal crazy people who are driving stolen cars into fashionable shops in Paris and running off with a load of Dior handbags, While I can't change the world, when I change my inner world, because this all happens internally, when I change my inner world, My inner world, which rubs off the inner worlds of those who are closest to me, influences their world. It actually influences their world at the level of DNA for people with whom I share DNA, like our children. But it influences anybody who I rub off at an energetic level, at an electromagnetic level. And that means that in changing my little world, I am an influence on the world of those around me and because I'm an integral part of the universe that has a ripple effect and once you cast your bread upon the water and once that ripples out into the universe you have no idea what good you are doing and that is grand indeed you've been listening to to succeed just let go get involved join me in my Facebook group strangely enough called to succeed just let go and for more information visit www.willy